0: Welcome to Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts today, Aaron Snyder.
1: And I'm Lauren Lake. Today we are wrapping up our three-part regulatory series with Tunis McElwain, the Deputy Chief of Regulatory at USAFE headquarters. Tunis, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your role at the core?
2: Sure. I'm originally from Northwest Indiana, so I grew up in a rural area that is close to Chicago, about 40 miles outside of Chicago. Um, I'm a graduate of Indiana University, uh, so I'm a double Hoosier from Indiana and went to Indiana University. I've been with the Corps for uh, 23 years this year, all of which have been in regulatory. Uh, I've worked in uh, five different districts and three different divisions. Uh, I started with the Louisville District. And most recently, before I came to headquarters, I was with the Honolulu District. Uh, But a majority of my career has been in the regulatory program uh, in the Jacksonville District field office in Fort Myers. Uh, Some folks uh, do ask about my name. So the name Tunis is a family name. It gets dug up every couple hundred years and somebody gets stuck with it. So it was my turn. The original Tunis was a larger than life mountain man kind of figure. Uh, who fought in the revolutionary wars that's the reason why it's been handed
0: down and uh, why uh, i was given the privilege that's a really interesting history on the name kind of exciting to actually have a name that has that history behind it um and being the family name so that's super cool and i'm probably not going to hold it against you that you're a double hoosier we'll we'll move on from that because we've worked together for some time now and i know you're doing some some great things with the regulatory organization Which makes me wonder, like, how does regulatory fit into the Corps' overall mission set? You know, a lot of times I think folks think of the Corps as, you know, the ones that build infrastructure. uh, But then we also have this critical regulatory mission. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. That's
2: a great question. So the regulatory program is very much part of the Army and part of USACE. Uh, So the, the chief of engineers' priorities are our priorities. Uh, in terms of how we're, we're structured in Headquarters, we sit within Operations and Regulatory Division. So the, the, the main thing that is different from our workload than the rest of the Army Corps of Engineers Civil Works is we review the work of others. So we are not reviewing core projects. We do, do not regulate ourselves. Uh, we are regulating projects uh, that others propose to, to construct that fall within our jurisdiction. So uh, I guess to sum that up, we review construction projects by others that involve regulated activities that fall within our jurisdiction, uh, which would be navigable waters, their tributaries, and adjacent wetlands. So as you can imagine, we're a very visible component of USACE uh, since we review projects by others, and then we also coordinate with outside agencies. So the, the regulatory program is committed to protecting the nation's aquatic resources and navigation capacity while allowing reasonable development through fair and balanced decisions.
1: So, Tunis, you mentioned that the regulatory mission area is a very visible component of the core. and we often see this in news articles and things like that as regulations change under different administrations and different organizations over time. So, can you talk about how the regulatory staff has to remain Flexible with all the updates and changes to the regulations. I know, for instance, Waters of the US have been um, that specific rule has changed over time. And so, how do you all, as a missionary of the Corps, deal with all these changes?
2: You're correct in that um, our program is going through an unprecedented rate of change. I would say we deal with it uh, as a team, you know, here in headquarters. Uh, we work together as a team. And then we work with divisions and districts. We try to kind of uh, look at things from a scientific approach and figure out the tools uh, that we can use to uh, remain flexible. It's a lot to keep track of. Uh, in the last year, uh, you mentioned waters of the U.S. In the last few years, we've had changes related to what constitutes our jurisdiction, uh, which is waters of the U.S. The uh, water quality certification that EPA has, that rule has changed, and that affects our programs, a lot of our permits need water quality certification, Uh, our nationwide permits have changed, the National Environmental Policy Act has changed. All of this is unprecedented, these are things that have been in place, most of of uh, the 4-1 rule, for example, was in place for 50 years as far as how we deal with it we've got great folks uh we do ask a lot out of our folks we've got a a dedicated team throughout the regulatory program uh that's passionate about about what we do and effectively serving the regulated public so i I guess in in short the the shortest answer is uh, teamwork how we we adapt most effectively
0: thanks students i think it may have been easier just to ask you what has not changed, it might have been a shorter list than was changed for you guys over there. So definitely dealing with challenges and, and change didn't stop at you know changing the regulations and rules, it also you know continued with the pandemic and just how staff interacts with each other. And how did the pandemic affect your organization and the ability to carry out the mission? I mean, everybody before was in the office working together and maybe field visits. Um, now everybody was working from home for a while. How did you guys deal with that?
2: i would say very effectively you know in the regulatory program we're constantly meeting with with other agencies and applicants not always in person so uh, over the years we've adapted and used tools like webex and things like that to our nature uh, to our advantage usually regulators are also serving on pdts within the core and often very much not in the same location i, I feel like we we adapted quickly uh, and we've done very well and uh, if anything, I think our rate of communication has has improved. We were able to schedule more meetings in a day because we're not traveling. The downside to that is it's easy to overschedule. You know, we try to work with folks not to get stressed out and make sure they're taking time uh, for themselves and, and, and not just working uh, all the time. But, but I, I would say it was an easy transition for us, both in headquarters and the field you know, we're using the technology that's available to allow us to to telework to the maximum extent possible. But I will say there are some instances where there's no substitute for meeting somebody face-to-face and talking through rough issues, and there's no substitute for, you know, good old-fashioned field work. So those two things did suffer a little bit over the last few years. You know, we're back to being able to travel and get out in the field. So I'm really proud of the regulatory program as a whole and how we've adapted to the challenge of, of working remotely.
1: You talked about the adapting that you all did during the pandemic, and now we know that regulatory is doing an organizational refresh to help be better prepared for the future and what might come. Can you talk a bit more about that? You know, was it the pandemic that brought? this organizational uh, refresh on, or was it something else? And and what are you all doing to be better prepared for future conditions and, and future situations going forward?
2: Sure. Um, we've been, you know, for the last decade or so in, in a funding situation where our budget has been uh, flatlined. So that has hindered our ability to do a lot of things that we'd like to do. But with the funds related to the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, uh, we've dedicated ourselves to uh, transforming uh, how we do business. So I guess the the best way to sort of frame that up would be uh, using the chief's priorities uh, of people readiness partnerships and innovation. So uh, in terms of the the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act funds or IIJA funds, uh, with people uh, we're using those funds to transform how we manage our workload. So we're working with divisions and districts to develop regional support centers to help balance workload between districts. In terms of readiness, uh, we're working with the districts to host recruitment events. So things like uh, Yellow is a new platform for us, but we're using that to fill critical vacancies. And also in terms of readiness, we're also using some contracts uh, to support some things that we never have before. Uh, so, these are support functions that are not inherently governmental in regulatory. We would always make a decision, but uh, not everything that leads that decision has to be done by us. So, we're in that we're using some contract support to do, to do some things and we're looking at uh, ways to expand that to help the, the regulators in the field. In terms of partnerships at the federal level, here in headquarters, uh, we partner with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, National Marine Fisheries Service, EPA, and Coast Guard, just to name a few, and we're working on things like national MOUs. At the division level, we're working on things like regional biological opinions. And at the district level, things like uh, local programmatic agreements and tools uh, that help us get through consultation for things like endangered. Species. In terms of innovation uh, you know we're working to develop centers that would support the division and district so that's sort of a regulator without borders concept that would allow us to shift the work around regionally and help balance the workload Um, other innovation uh, the ideas that we that that we've done and we're working on uh, related to technology we have a national regulatory viewer uh, which is like um, a GIS-like tool uh, that our regulators can use. Uh, we're developing an applicant request system where uh, we're trying to get applications electronically and tie in our database a little bit more and other things like that. And we're also updating our database uh, form to evolve and stay current and uh, do things that capture the data we need, but also help uh, the regulators in the field. To keep in line with the, the chief's priorities, are our version of winning, is like a safe workforce, increased staffing, balanced workload, best tools available for the field, developing the next generation of leaders within the regulatory program, and uh, increased partnerships. So all of that should result in an effective and efficient implementation of the regulatory program nationally.
0: Thanks, Jonas. It it sounds like regulatory has an awful lot on its plate, and I know you have, you know, really good staff in the field, and um, it's really kind of a thankless job. I feel like, you know, when you guys make the news for regulatory, it's not a positive uh, news article. It's a little bit controversial. So, you know, we've talked a lot about those challenges and what you're doing, but kind of like looking ahead to the future, what kind of challenges and opportunities do you see for the regulatory program? And, you know, in the future, what does success look like?
2: Yeah. So challenges. Uh, I, I would say the the transformation we're going through uh, that I just talked about is a challenge, but I think it's also an opportunity to improve. Uh, but you know, change is uh, not always not always easy. So I think the biggest challenge for the program moving forward is to I think deliver the program that Congress intends us to deliver not necessarily the, the program that we think needs to be delivered. We're a passionate program. We, we feel uh, strongly about protecting the aquatic resource and we, need, and we have ideas about how we personally may feel it should be delivered. I think the challenge for us is to deliver the program in the way that we're being told to deliver it, which means it may not always align with personal viewpoints on things. You know, as professionals, we always have to kind of you know keep our personal opinions to ourselves because we are impartial in our permit reviews. Uh, you know we don't take the side of the applicant uh, you know it's an objective review. I think the biggest challenge is delivering the program in a way that's effective and efficient while also balancing personal beliefs and views about how we implement the
1: program so we're about at the end of our time today, but wanted to ask you if you had anything else to add and, you know, as an aside, I know both Erin and I have visited Hawaii, so we have the question on why you moved from Hawaii back to the the mainland, and did you leave Hawaii to go to D.C.? Because I, I might question your judgment on that one. <laughs>
2: uh Yes, I did. I moved from the, the Aloha State to uh, what some have called the Anti-Aloha State. Um, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, uh, I, I did enjoy my time in Hawaii. It was always uh, meant to be a term uh, assignment, so it was never a long-term assignment. The the folks out there were great. I, I think I, I learned a lot about a different perspectives while I was there and what it means to relate to people. Uh, as people. So I, I personally learned a lot, uh, worked with a great team of, of regulators out there. But in terms of, of why, uh, it was just a career evolution. So that, that's what led me to headquarters and, and the ability to give back. So I, I've been in this program for 23 years and uh, it's been pretty good to me. And I feel like it, working with headquarters, I've got an opportunity to help shape the future of the program. And, and that's something that's uh, important to me. That's how that transition. No,
1: yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a good good reason to, to relocate. Did you have anything else miss, you wanted I to add? I do miss Hawaii. Yeah, I could understand, especially during the winter, I'm sure, those dark and <laughs> dreary winters.
2: As far as adding anything else, I stand in awe of the regulatory, the folks in the regulatory program daily. The team in headquarters is, is fabulous. We turn around things in short order that that I never would have thought possible. It's informed, and it helps helps keep the program on track. Uh, in terms of uh, the folks in the field, you know, there's a lot of work being done daily. You mentioned projects that are priority, or you know, that end up being in the news. Those are just a few projects, and they don't capture the amount of work that's done uh, just daily uh, out there. So I, I, I want to say uh, thanks to all the regulators in the field that may be listening to this. I appreciate everything you've done. And I, I do understand that we ask a lot out of our regulators. A lot of folks have a lot of decision-making authority at very low levels. And they get a lot of pressure from, from folks to do things that uh, may not be in line with our program. Our project managers daily are trying to make good decisions and are oftentimes being influenced or trying to be influenced uh, while they do it. So it's it's. I just want to give a um, shout out to the folks in the field that are implementing the program and do so daily. It's a heavy workload with a lot of responsibility, and it takes a special kind of person to do
0: this kind of work. Thank you, Tunis, for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insights. To our listeners, we want to hear from you. What topics are important to you and people you're interested in hearing from. Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. Thanks for joining us for this Inside the Castle podcast. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the Core and revolutionize civil works together.